Welcome to Role Playing History, the podcast where we explore the history of role playing games. I'm Wayne Davis, and I'll be your guide for today's tour. All right, right off the top, I want to apologize for there not being an episode last week. I mentioned the issue with that when I dropped my notice, so I'm not really going to expand on it here. I, I did, though, want to say thanks to all of you who reached out, and I can assure you I'm doing a lot better this week. And as I promised in last week's announcement, you're going to get two episodes this week, unless, of course, you're listening to the YouTube feed, in which case this will be your only show for the week because we're going to stay on schedule. Sorry about that. But I am working up a couple of YouTube exclusives that should be up by Monday, so hopefully that kind of makes up for it. Now, let's get on with the show as I would normally do. <clears throat> Episode 114, Planescape. When it comes to Dungeons & Dragons, there are two primary questions most players ask each other when they meet to talk about the game. What edition do you play, and what setting do you prefer? Yeah, all right, so there's actually three that get asked up front, since we've all asked or been asked about our favorite character class, but I digress. To this point in the history of the podcast, we've covered several of the most popular answers to the setting question, Forgotten Realms, Spelljammer, etc. However, one setting that gets a ton of love, but not a ton of attention, is the subject of today's show, Planescape. What is it about Planescape that makes it as popular as it is? And more importantly, why doesn't it get the love it deserves? Well, let's crank up the tour bus and try to figure out why. Let's start at the beginning. Planescape was designed by Zeb Cook and published in 1994. However, some of the basic concepts behind the setting, primarily the cosmology known as the Great Wheel, had been developed by Jeff Grubb for the Manual of the Planes, which had been released seven years earlier. Planescape was designed to work with the second edition of AD&D. While the cosmology behind Planescape had been published in 1987, the genesis of the idea began with the first edition of AD&D. Some of the basic ideas had been presented in the Dungeon Master's Guide and in the Manual of the Planes that were created for that edition, and players took to those ideas with a frenzy, with a number of DMs working out their own locales and scenarios to utilize those then-new ideas. However, when the second edition came out, TSR decided to back away from the use of angelic and demonic creatures, due in no small part to the satanic panic of the mid-80s. So the cosmology that had been parceled out in first edition was pretty much ignored in the new edition. But as gamers, we all understand how it works. The groundswell from the gaming community was strong for another manual of the planes, mostly so that all the good stuff from first edition could be officially updated for the new edition. In an unusual, for them, move, TSR heeded that call. But they decided that just updating the Manual of the Planes wasn't going to be good enough. What they wanted was a full campaign world that players could engage in. That's where Zeb Cook comes back into the picture. In a 1994 interview with Gene Alloway for White Wolf Magazine, Cook noted that he'd been given the assignment to create such a scenario, with the caveats being that it needed to be, quote, survivable by low-level characters, as compatible with the old manual of the planes as possible, filled with a feeling of vastness without overwhelming the referee, distinct from all other TSR campaigns, free of the words demon and devil, and explainable to marketing in 25 words or less, end quote. 
Look, as somebody who can't even order fast food in 25 words or less, I have no idea how in the blue hell he got that last one, but obviously he did. In that same interview, Cook noted his inspirations to include Alexander Nevsky, the Dictionary of Khazars, Einstein's Dreams, The Narrow Road to the Deep North, and the movies Naked Lunch and Wolf Devil Woman, which, if you've seen those movies, are weird as hell. An eclectic selection of inspirations, for sure, and that's not even the entire list. What they led him to create, though, is, in my opinion, absolute genius. He decided that everything in the setting would revolve around factions, and those factions would be basically cranked up to 11. That's a Spinal Tap reference for all the kids out there. He noted that Sigil came about because when you're working out something as complex as Planescape, you need a crossroads for the setting, and Sigil would be a central location that the characters could adventure, hide, and use as a place to get into and out of quickly, if need be. When it came to the directive to utilize the Manual of the Planes, Zeb realized almost immediately that he was going to have to adapt the materials, since not doing so would probably violate one of his other mandates, as those earlier materials would have made the ability for low-level parties to actually survive that much more difficult. So he chose to ignore anything he felt would complicate the gameplay, and that left him, in his words, quote, the descriptions of twisted and strange creations, end quote. When it came to the artwork, Brian Frown's illustrations were definitely an inspiration, and Dana Knudsen drew the assignment to draw up whatever Zeb asked for. Cook noted that, quote, before any of us knew it, Knudsen drew the Lady of Pain. I'm very fond of the Lady of Pain. She really locks up the Planescape look. We all liked her so much that she became our logo, end quote. From its initial release in 1994 through 1998, Planescape was treated as a major setting for the AD&D game. The initial box set was followed by Planes of Chaos from Wolfgang Bauer and Lester W. Smith, Planes of Law from Colin McComb and Wolfgang Bauer, and Planes of Conflict from Colin McComb and Dale Donovan. In addition, several novels were written set in the Planescape setting. However, all of these materials have been out of print for the better part of 25 years. If you're looking for these original materials, you know the drill from our module episodes. Find yourself a decent used game shop or use the DM's Guild. When 3rd Edition came out in 2000, as we've discussed in past episodes, Wizards of the Coast discontinued pretty much all of the settings other than the Forgotten Realms. That sent Planescape to the sidelines, at least officially. Thanks to the open game license, fan sites like Planewalker.com were able to update the setting to the new edition and continue to use it. Wizards also used some of the materials of the setting for their 2001 release Manual of the Planes, the 3.5 edition Dungeon Master's Guide in 2003, and the Planar Handbook, which was released in 2004. And while some of the details of Planescape were used, including Sigil, none of this material is considered to officially be a part of the Planescape line. Fourth edition also didn't bring Planescape back as a setting. Much as in the previous edition, some of the materials of the setting were used, specifically Sigil, which was used in the 2008 Manual of the Planes, and then expanded on in the Dungeon Master's Guide 2 in 2009. 
Most game historians note that while Sigil had been used in both 3rd edition and 3.5, it was much better utilized in the 4th edition, though still not to the level it had been used in in the official setting materials. So let's move forward to 5th edition. Initially, it appeared that Planescape would get the same treatment in the new edition that it had gotten in the previous three. It was sort of mentioned in the Player's Handbook in 2014, then had some sigil information presented in the Dungeon Master's Guide that same year. However, things would begin to change. In 2022, Unearthed Arcana, Wonders of the Multiverse was released as a part of the Unearthed Arcana playtest materials for 5th edition. For those not in the know, the Unearthed Arcana materials were used to test new classes, settings, and rules for 5th edition. What got fans of Planescape excited was that there were a number of references to the Planescape setting. A new character race called the Glitchling, numerous references to locales from Planescape that hadn't been mentioned before, and more details on Sigil that had been previously printed. Across the gaming news landscape, reporter after reporter speculated that the amount of materials included in Unearthed Arcana could only mean that Wizards was finally bringing Planescape back to full setting status for 5th edition. This had critics and players alike waiting for bated breath. And that led to a lot of disappointment when Spelljammer was the next setting released. I mean, don't get me wrong. Spelljammer is another one of those settings that deserved an update and some love. It's just that for those Planescape fans that had anticipated this would be the spot for a new release, it was a bit of a letdown. And numerous D&D fans became concerned that, once again, they'd be left out of the mix as new supplements were being released. Well, if you weren't already aware of this, let me be the first to tell you that Planescape is indeed being updated for 5th edition. It'll be released as a three-book set on October 17th of this year. If that setup sounds familiar, it's because it's the same setup Wizards used for the Spelljammer release earlier this year. For those curious as to what's going to be in there, the set will include the 96-page Sigil and the Outlands, which is a setting outline and character creation source, the 96-page Turn of Fortune's Wheel, which is a full adventure for parties level 3 through 10, the 64-page Morta's Planar Parade, which is a bestiary for the Denzian of the Outer Plains, a double-sided poster map, and a four-panel DM screen. Do I sound at all excited about this? Because... I can assure you, I am. For those interested, Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse is now available for pre-order online at all of your favorite locations, as well as, I'm sure, through your friendly neighborhood game shop. Be prepared to drop around 75 bucks for it, but if it's half as good as the info in the Spelljammer release, I believe it will be money well spent. Before we jump into breaking down the Planescape setting, let's cover some of the other media that have utilized Planescape over the years. There was a collectible card game TSR released based on the game called Blood Wars. It featured many of the major locations and personalities of the setting, but ultimately didn't catch on in the CCG world. I mentioned the novels, so let's detail those. J. Robert King wrote three of them, 1996 Blood Hostages and Abyssal Warriors and 1997's Planar Powers. For the record, Planar Powers won the Origins Award for Best Game-Related Novel of 1997. James Allen Gardner wrote the novel Fire and Dust in 1996. However, TSR rejected the novel, and Gardner instead has released it himself for free, and you can get it at wings.planewalker.com forward slash firedust. 
Troy Denning wrote Pages of Pain in 1997, and Ray and Valerie Valise wrote Torment in 1999. Torment, by the way, was based on an early script for the computer game Planescape Torment, so let's talk about that. Planescape Torment was released in 1999. Developed by Black Isle Studios and released by Interplay Entertainment, it was created for the Windows operating system, though I do believe it eventually got a port for iOS. Torment utilized a number of the classic locations in the Planescape world and set the protagonist on the path to learn more about themselves and eventually to discover what their impact on the multiverse had been. Upon its original release, it wasn't what we define as a success. However, there was enough interest in it to be re-released as a budget title in 2009, and it got an enhanced edition on April 11, 2017. It also got a pseudo-sequel in 2017 when Torment Tides of Numenia was released. I call it a pseudo-sequel because while it does take its inspiration from the original, it doesn't use any of the Planescape materials. If you're interested in playing Planescape Torment, it's available on Steam for Windows and for iOS, and it's also available for the PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo Switch. Check your online game store or your favorite brick-and-mortar game shop if you're interested. Okay, so have I sufficiently sold the product enough for all the license holders today? Well, whether I have or not, we need to get into the details of the setting itself, so let's jump on that right now. Any discussion of Planescape needs to start with a discussion of the planes themselves. After all, plane is in the name. The cosmology is made up of a number of different planes, and those can be divided like so. The inner planes, which represent the elemental planes, water, earth, fire, and air, as well as the positive and negative energy planes. The ethereal plane, which I think kind of describes itself, the prime material plane, which again, I think needs no further description. The astral plane, ditto. The outer planes, which basically represent the alignments and the primary domains of the various deities. For the record, this is where the petitioners of those deities would spend their afterlives. And for those who are going to get pissed off if I don't name them, the outer planes are the abyss, Acheron, Aboria, Arcadia, Beator, Beastlands, Bitopia, Carcery, Elysium, Gehenna, Grey Waste of Hades, Limbo, Mechanus, Mount Celestia, The Outlands, Pandemonium, and Ysgard. I think I got them all. And I know I missed up a few of those pronunciations because it's been a while, guys. I'm sorry. Planescape was the setting that fully formed the cosmology known as the Great Wheel, which began, as we noted, in 1st edition, then was mothballed for 3rd edition before coming back in 5th edition. It's also been referenced in some form in a number of other fantasy novels over the years, though there have been changes to avoid issues with Wizards of the Coast. The City of Sigil, also known as the City of Doors, is a very important part of Planescape, as we noted earlier in the show. It's located on top of the Spire of the Outlands. For the record, the city is actually set on the inner surface of that ring, which makes for a very interesting setting. Sigil has no sky, but an all-pervasive light that waxes and wanes to create night and day. The only way you can enter or exit Sigil is through portals. As I mentioned before, this keeps it very safe from would-be invaders, but that comes at the cost of making it a prison for those who don't have a portal key. 
That has led many to refer to sigil as the birdcage or the cage. Now, sigil is commonly considered to be at the center of the planes, since it's basically on top of the infinitely tall spire. Many argue that this is impossible since the planes are infinite in all directions, thus it's impossible to have a center. I know, trippy, but I've actually read these arguments online. I mentioned factions earlier, so let's expand on those a bit. In Sigil, there are a number of philosophically derived factions. In the beginning, these factions controlled the political climate of Sigil. Now, Obviously, the beliefs of one faction will put them in opposition to another while allying them with others. There are a total of 15 factions, but unlike my usual standard, I'm not going to list them all here. I think I've done enough lists for the day. The role of the factions in Sigil were forever changed when TSR published Faction War in 1998. It was the final adventure for Planescape and was intended to be so as TSR was shutting the product line down. In Faction War, the control of the factions was eliminated. The end came when Duke Rowan Darkwood attempted to dethrone the Lady of Pain and rule Sigil alone. The Lady, with the help of the adventurers playing, intervened, stopped the Duke, and ended faction control, which confirmed what most of us already knew, don't mess with the Lady of Pain. Or to put it more succinctly, <laughs> jack around and find out. There are also sects in Planescape, and while they work very similarly to factions, there are a couple of differences. First, they're not based in Sigil, and second, they're more often than not very specific to the particular planes they're from. It should be noted, however, that many of the factions were once sects, and many of the sects were once factions. And yes, I'm taking a little bit longer to pronounce the word sects, because if you say it real fast, it sounds like sex, and, well, you know. In the Planescape universe, there are three basic principles that govern everything. The rule of three states simply that things tend to happen in threes. The principles that govern the planes are even subject to this rule. The unity of rings notes that many things on the planes are circular, coming back around to where they started, and this is true geographically and philosophically. The center of all theory states that there's a center to everything, or more to the point, wherever a person happens to be is the center of the multiverse, from their own perspective, anyway. Since, as we just discussed, the planes tend to be infinite, the concept of centricity is basically impossible to either prove or disprove. One of the major arguments in Planescape concerning philosophy is between the center of all theory and the implied opposite, which is that nowhere can be said to be the absolute true center. It's caused a number of arguments and violence, and that's led many to state the city of doors is the center of the universe due to the number of portals it has to other planes and positions in the Outlands. Having played in the Planescape setting, though I'll grant you it was more than 25 years ago, I can tell you that while there are certain rules, there are a number of DMs who pick and choose how they want to use them, if they use them at all. Not using them, though, takes a bit of the flavor out of the setting, so drop them at your own peril. We don't need to deep dive the game engine here, since most of us know the AD&D system and or the 5th edition system, so we're not going to get into that again here, because 5th edition is a future episode. What we are going to do is get a couple of reviews. Trenton Webb reviewed it in the March 1996 issue of Arcane Magazine and called it, quote, the premier AD&D world, end quote. 
He stated the prime reason for that was, quote, a bizarre juxtaposition of legend and nightmare, end quote. Curtis D. Carbonell wrote in his 2019 book, Dread Trident, Tabletop Role-Playing Games in the Modern Fantastic, quote, Planescape's sophistication marked it as D&D's answer to its own simplistic medieval European-inspired fantasy settings. Planescape channeled the weird before China Mieville brought the new weird genre into focus. With Planescape, we have an attempt by an AD&D game setting to add layers of intellectual complexity to a game often driven by much more simplistic mechanisms. The greatest commerce isn't loot, treasure, magic items, or the like. It is belief so strong it can shape reality, end quote. The Planescape campaign setting box won the 1994 Origins Award for Best Graphic Presentation of a Role-Playing Game, Adventure, or Supplement. In the end, the history of Planescape as a setting has certainly been a long one, even if it hasn't necessarily had a heavy influence since 3rd edition. The proof in the pudding for that is the continued use of the Great Wheel, as well as the number of creatures that have been utilized in the various editions over the years. Will that history continue with the upcoming release? Only time will tell. And with that, we've come to the end of this tour. This week's second show covers another D&D setting, and that's Birthright. Now, I announced this two weeks ago, but I wanted to mention it again this week. The entire Bad GM Productions team will be attending Archon 46 in Collinsville, Illinois, September 29th through October 1st. We've teamed up with the team running the game room at the convention, and they've graciously given us a space in there to broadcast live from, which we'll be doing throughout the convention to give you info on the various games being played and the events that are taking place. We're also going to do a live broadcast of role-playing history with a topic to be chosen by convention attendees. So, if you're interested in dropping in to check it all out, hit up the Archon website, archonstl.org. The site has all the details on accommodations as well as ordering your memberships online. And by the way, membership is what they call passes or tickets because they see you as members. I think that's cool. And while you're waiting to hit the next episode, you can check out our other podcast, Bad GM's Campaign Build Along. We're building an entire campaign for the Fallout role-playing game, and we're getting ready to wind down Act 2 of our second season. To this point, we've kept our group on their toes, and we're working to take them to the edge of their abilities moving forward. Bad GM's Campaign Build Along is available wherever you get your podcasts or from our website, badgmproductions.net. The music we use for this show comes from Pixabay.com. Check them out for all your royalty-free, license-free music needs. Role-Playing History is a production of Bad GM Productions. You can follow us all over the social media spectrum. And for specifics, you can check out the info box for this episode or the Contact Us section of the website. And I always suggest you follow us as any updates concerning the shows will be posted there. Up next, we check out the Birthright campaign setting. And I will say this, if you thought Dragonlance was a different style for D&D, you're really going to think that about Birthright. So take a minute and then hit the next episode. Until you do that, I'm Wayne Davis and you're role-playing history.